I'm really excited to speak this evening. We've got part, I think we're part four of our relationship series, so that's cool. Um, also, I, I really stitched myself up because last week we had, um, we had Pastor Shane Willard with us, who was here last week. It was awesome. He did uh, the sex talk with us, so if you haven't heard that, go and listen to it. It was epic. Also, I stitched myself up because somehow I rostered myself on twice the week after Pastor Shane Willard, so just, just feel for me quietly. Um, hard act for I'm not going to try and compete with that, and it's not about that anyway, but I just thought it was quite funny. Um, but this evening what I want to do is I just want to talk quite practically around maybe some application from what Pastor Shane spoke about last week. Um, so if you haven't, make sure you go and listen to that. Probably not now, because that would be a little bit impractical to try and listen to two things at once. Um, but I just want to follow on where he was, uh, I guess, with some application speaking into sex and sexuality. Um, and I guess I want to look at some of the misconceptions about sex and then maybe respond to some frequently asked questions that there is about sex. I was quite excited about the title that I came up with the message. Uh, Kai and Jenna will tell you about an hour ago. It's called Facts and Fiction. But see how we spell facts? Look at that. Yeah, it's clever and witty, isn't it? Because we're going to, yeah, anyway, anyway, I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> and I think it's really important that we speak about this because I think there are so many misconceptions around this concept, especially of faith and sexuality. There's, depending on what your upbringing was, I'm assuming there's a thousand different experiences and thought processes that go into it and probably a bunch of misconceptions along the way. I still remember, I've told this story before, but I still remember the, pretty vividly the first time I think I heard the word sex and it was that a kid at school had graffitied it on the toilet block. He'd written S-E-X and it was like, what a bad dude. Like... <laughs> He wrote the S word, like, can you believe it? And I remember that was kind of my only concept of what that was, was it's naughty. I was in grade three, so it's probably fine to have that kind of uh, image at that point. Um, but as we go through life, there's so many different things that we can pick up around topics like this. And before we jump in, I think it's important to understand that sex and, and relationships are extremely complex topics. So please give me grace as I respond to these answers. If you'd rather be up here answering, you can come grab the microphone. Um, no, please don't do that. Uh, I should add, <laughs> just, just don't actually do that. Um, I just want to look back at a couple, a couple of things that we've covered the last few weeks, um, just to bring us up to speed. And fundamental to understand everything we're going to speak about this evening is to understand that God's heart for us is not to restrict us, but His heart is actually to protect us. He wants us to have a great experience in these areas. I love what John 10.10 10 says. It says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the small. Uh, have it to the small. Have it to the full. <laughs> Have it to the full. Turn the person and say, have it to the full, not to the small. <laughs> Just checking if you were listening. Make sure you were listening. God doesn't want us to live small and restricted lives. He wants us to live great, big lives that are full of joy, that reflect Him, that are ruled by peace. He doesn't want us to live restricted. He actually wants us to live free. And we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, that there are two types of freedom that you can experience in life. You can experience a moment of freedom, which is, I can do whatever I want to do right now, which is true. You can do whatever you want to 
in whatever moment you have free will. But a life of freedom is understanding that the choices I make today may actually restrict the freedom that I have in the future. An easy example is if I have McDonald's every single meal for four years and then my friends say, let's climb tabletop. You are experiencing the restriction of the freedom that you, uh, that you were, were living in in the past. There's things that we can do today that may limit our experience of freedom tomorrow. Romans 6, 16 to 18 says, don't you know when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. There are things today which might cost you your freedom in the future. Really important is I think we just give a quick definition around sin because it has become something that's like, it's a moral list of do's and don'ts. It's the bad stuff, it's the wrong stuff, it's this moralized kind of list of things. The, the real meaning of sin, the Greek is hamateia, which means to miss the mark, is to fall short of reflecting God. That's what sin is. So it's much broader, if that makes sense. It's not confined to just a little list of things that are right and wrong. It's how am I living my life? Am I living my life in a way that actually reflects God to the people that are around me? Why does God want us to, why does God want to free us from sin? Because sin is trying to punish us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now, we've got to get the right image around this. For a long time, I grew up with the picture thinking that the wages of sin is death and God's paying the wages. Like It's like God is the one that is punishing you for your sin. No, sin punishes you for sin. If you engage with sin, you will get hurt by sin. Uh, so he's trying to protect us. Before we dive into this Q&R, uh, I've called it Q&R because it's just a response. It's not exhaustive answers. Uh, I just want to talk about three myths that I think are commonly kind of believed about Christians and sexuality that we need to address before we get into those things. Are you ready? Yes. Myth one, God is anti-sex. Now, I don't know if people would articulate it like that, but have you heard some kind of, the, the image has been portrayed that God is really not for sex, that he's kind of like, whoa, what are they doing? <laughs> I didn't know that that's what was going to happen. Um, that couldn't be any further from the truth. The first commandment in Genesis wasn't, I now command you to go and pray more. The first commandment was, go forth and multiply, <laughs> was the first commandment. God is not anti-sex. He's the creator. He's the author of it. Genesis 1, 27, 28, this is it. It says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and increase in number. It's not saying, God's not saying his intention was, go out and grow potatoes, okay? He was saying, go and be fruitful, have lots of babies. Uh, all you have to do is look at the Bible in places like Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, you might heard it. It's a book, a whole book of the Bible that is full of beautiful metaphors around sex and intimacy. Just a little tip, if you're reading Song of Songs and you're reading about gardens and fountains, you're not reading about landscaping. You might read that and think, wow, writer, this is really into landscaping. No, he was really into something else. Um, and if you're reading it and thinking, is this saying what I think it's saying? 
It probably is. Um, I just point this out because I was talking to someone a few weeks ago and they kind of didn't even realize that that book existed. And it's like, no, the Bible is not ashamed about talking about sex and sexuality. And so I think neither should we. Uh, The second myth about sex is sex is just physical. I'm sure that we have all heard this. Sex is just physical. It's a physical thing that feels good. Therefore, I can do it whenever I like with whoever is willing with no consequence. It's this myth that sex is just physical. Uh, If you're of my vintage, you might remember the song that talks about being nothing but mammals and the Discovery Channel, um, which kind of, <laughs> I've paraphrased that a little bit, but this thought that we're all just animals, it's something now, it's just physical, just do it whenever. I think it's, I think that kind of view of sex actually really cheapens sex. And, and it, it's actually, if people ever accuse you of not thinking that sex is important or good, it's like, no, I think it is so valuable, so I treat it like it's valuable. I don't just give my valuable things to everyone. I protect them and cherish things that are valuable to me. I love how um, Eugene Peterson in the message puts 1 Corinthians 6, 16 to 20. I think this is just a beautiful rendition of this scripture. It says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to spiritually become one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with one another. I, I love how this puts this. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. It's something that is so much more than just physical. Sex is so powerful. It's meant to be so powerful. It's meant to be the meshing of body and soul. It's giving your all to someone, being totally vulnerable and totally known by someone, which is the cry of all of our hearts. I think that's so much better than, yeah, sex is just a thing that's physical. It's like, no, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So why does God care about our sexuality? Um, There was a song on the radio last year that kind of went along this line, which was talking about why is God so interested about who I'm sleeping with? And um, it was kind of having a go at that thought of God's just kind of like this busybody. Why does he care about this? The reason he cares is because he cares about you. He cares so much about you. He loves you. He wants the best for you and your future. He's not trying to be a killjoy and make, li- make rules that make your life boring. He knows how powerful sex is and he wants to protect you. I've always thought a great analogy is the analogy of a campfire. A campfire is beautiful, it's powerful, it brings warmth, you can cook things on it. Inside a fire pit, a fire is great. Inside your tent, a fire is not great. <laughs> Inside the roof of your house, a fire is not great. Sex in the same way is so powerful and in the right context, it's a blessing, it brings life, it's protected, it increases intimacy. In the wrong context, it can really cause pain. God cares. That's why he sets boundaries, not just for moral right or wrong, but because he cares so much about you. He wants to protect you. He wants you to stay free and not tangled up from all the stuff that can come 
with it. God wants you to have the best, the best sex. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. God wants me to have the best sex. Um, the next time you talk to someone, if this comes up, you Christians don't have sex, we're like, no, but God wants us to have the best sex. Uh, and when we were married, we will have plenty of it. Uh, he wants you to have the best sex. He wants you to experience it the best way, securely in a committed marriage relationship. He doesn't want you to have to wonder if the guy you were dating is just dating you because you're having sex with him. He doesn't want you to get hurt and carry baggage from that hurt into future relationships. He sees you, God sees you as valuable. So you should treat yourself the same way. You are valued by God. Why should I care what God says? Well, because he loves you and cares for you. He is a true friend to your future. The final myth before we jump into some Q&A, is this okay? All right, cool, cool, good. Uh, is I'm the only one that struggles with this. This is something that's often thrown around, especially when we're talking about sex and, sex and sexuality. It can be so common to think, why do I have an issue with this? Why do I struggle with this? What, what is wrong with me? It's one of the biggest lies of the enemy it, to convince you that you're weird, that you're abnormal, that no one else struggles with this stuff, that something's wrong with you. That is the biggest lie of the enemy. It couldn't be further from the truth. If you are tempted, you are human. If you are tempted, you're not weird. You're not evil, you're not insane, you're human. Turn the person beside you and say, you're human. I hope, <laughs> you look human. I really wanna free some people this evening around this. There is nothing wrong with being tempted. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted and the Bible also says that Jesus knew no sin. Therefore, temptation is not a sin, but our response to temptation is really, really important. The Bible actually says, run from temptation. It doesn't say fight temptation. We gotta fight this, you know, we gotta struggle with this. It's like, no, run. And if that means physically run, physically run. Uh, <laughs> but can I free some people? If you've been struggling, like what's wrong with me? I'm always tempted. It's normal to be tempted. What we need to talk about is how do we respond well to temptation? We're all tempted, so set boundaries. Recognize where you'll be tempted and set boundaries around that. Don't joke yourself and think that I don't need boundaries. I've told this story before a hundred times, but I'll tell it again. I will always remember when Talitha and I started dating, um, we went to the Angel Cafe, which no longer exists, and I think we got a, uh, a like caramelized milk latte or something. This is before coffee was nice. It was like when coffee was just like, you had to mask the flavor of the coffee. It's like there's coffee in there, so you better add 19 sugars so you can't taste the coffee. That's what getting a coffee was about. Uh, and I said to her very romantically, I said, I think it's time we take this to the next level um, and become official because we'd just been hanging out at that point. And then we were like, we should talk about boundaries. And I was like, honestly, Talitha, I just see you like <laughs> as such a friend. Like we're just such friends. I don't think that like we really need to talk about that because I just don't see you in that way. Like we just, just see you as such an amazing friend. And 
And then three days later, we were talking about boundaries. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know what? We're not above this. We need to set some spaces that we're happy to go and others that we're not. The question, how far is too far, I think is actually the wrong question. The right question is, is this going to help me keep my sexual integrity? As Shane said last week, is this honoring the image of God that is in this person or is this objectifying this person? Is this just using them for my own benefit? So the biggest myth, I'm the only one who struggles this. The, the biggest lie is that you're facing it alone. The enemy wants to make you feel bad, make you feel weird, make you feel something wrong with you, feel like there's something wrong with you. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says there's... There's no struggle that isn't common to man. And otherwise, if you're struggling with it, someone else is struggling with it too. And can I just encourage you, if you're struggling with it, that's an awesome thing to be struggling with it. Keep struggling. Don't give up. The temptation is, I'm not going to struggle anymore because I can't seem to win, so I'll just give in. No, keep fighting the good fight. Uh, in the darkness is where things grow, where there's no power to fight. Ephesians 5.13 says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Often with these things, as we expose it, it really loses its power. If there's something that you're like, oh man, I'm really struggling with this. Can I encourage you to speak to someone that you trust about it? Because as you speak about stuff, as it comes into the light, those things really lose their power. Um, encourage you, if you're in a life group, your, your life group leader has your back. They want the best for your future. If you come and talk to them about something like that, they're not going to be like, oh my goodness, I thought you were perfect. They were gonna, they're going to be like, welcome to being human too. Let's talk about how to move forward in the best way. I just want to encourage them. Maybe tonight is the night that you finally kick that bad habit. Maybe tonight is the night that you finally talk to someone about what you've been struggling with. Bring it into the light and watch it lose its power. Um, and I, I want to encourage you, as you come about it, think less, is this right or wrong, but is this beneficial? Is, is, this, is this treating the other person how they deserve to be treated? Okay, they're my three myths. I have asked Joshua Staines to join me and ask me some questions. Let's welcome Josh. Hey, Josh just has like big journalist vibes, so I was like, yeah, we'll get him doing the interviewing. I actually almost did that at uni. Did you uh, really? Yeah, and then I, I'm not very good at English, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, oh, that's an issue. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got some questions. Now, I'll, I'll admit, we did an open anonymous Q&A last year, uh, which was awesome. Y'all are wild when you say something's anonymous, by the way. The stuff we had coming in was great. It was a really good, like, okay, this is what people are thinking about. Uh, so what I did was I have composited all of those questions into a list of what I think is frequently asked questions. Hopefully, a lot of these answers umbrella answer um, some other questions. There was a lot of... I mean, there was a lot of how kinky is too kinky, all that kind of stuff. So we might address that in a broader manner. Um, it was lots of fun. Anyway, Josh. Cool. All right, ready? First one. Everyone ready? First one. We good? Sweet. All right. Why wait for sex? Why wait for sex and marriage? This is something that I would guarantee if you've been open about being a Christian, you have been asked. It is quite funny how that is. It seems to be what Christians are best known for. 
I hope that we can change that and make it, we're known for loving people like Jesus loves us. Uh, but in the meantime, why wait? Has anyone else, have, has that been like the first thing that people have asked you? It's like, oh, you're a Christian, so you don't have sex? It's like the first thing that comes up. Um, again, I'd encourage you to listen to what Pastor Shane Willard spoke about last week. Uh, I think building your relation on something outside just the physical is super, super important actually getting to know the person this just seems like it's so basic that it shouldn't even need to be said um, but honestly it's so important that you build your relationship on more than just physical attraction because that stuff will change as you get older what did pastor shane say and gravity takes over which it will your appearance is going to change you've got to have your relationship based on something more um, than we're sexually compat um Competitive. That's not a word. Help me there. <laughs> Once again, not good at English. Yeah, I wasn't a journalist. Yeah. I was a cameraman, <laughs> and I did ask questions, but I didn't write the questions. Um, so Shane, well, I was talking about it last week. Introduced too early, it actually has a dopamine effect on your, uh, releases dopamine in your brain, and can blind you to obvious character flaws about the person. So I'd encourage you, just take it slow. Get to know the person. Enjoy the simple stages of dating and getting to know someone. How far is too far to go physically? How far is too far? Like I kind of just said, it's like the wrong question, but I want to address it anyway. I think we've got to be careful not to sink to the lowest kind of denominator, like and be thinking about what can I get away with? It's like that's kind of probably viewing it in the wrong sense. The right approach would be how can I experience all that God has for me in this relationship and does this lead me to experiencing all that God has for me in this relationship? With that in mind, I think we have to be aware that certain things lead to certain things, that God's designed our body in a really awesome way that certain things lead to certain things which lead to certain things which lead to certain things. Now, again, simple, but I think it's really important. I remember hearing someone say once in a relationship panel, they were talking about how they realized that making out was foreplay. And I was like, that's news to me. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, that really makes sense. It's made to lead to a certain destination. So, so can I just get really practical on what, if that's okay? I didn't get any yeses, so yes. <laughs> brace yourself. It's gonna be rough. Um, so realizing that certain things lead to certain things. Um, I've got the bikini slash mankini zone is out. Um, <laughs> I thought that would get a laugh. It didn't anyway, moving on. <laughs> Avoid getting close. That kind of touch, again, is designed by God to lead somewhere. So unless you're ready to go to that somewhere, avoid that kind of touch. Uh, where that's designed to go is not a night of reading the Bible and praying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we can have some fun tonight, right? Um, I think stuff like light kissing and hand-holding are so sweet and almost underrated. I think in our culture, that stuff just seems to get so skipped by, whereas actually that's some of the most special parts of a relationship, are those, the, the first kiss, the hand-holding. Um, so enjoy that in the right time. Uh, none of this, I think, makes sense unless you're committed to pursuing a life with someone and you want to play the long game. If you want to play the long game and build a relationship that lasts, take it slow. There is no rush to be anywhere. 
On the other side, if you think this could end at any moment and I want to experience all there is to experience, that's where people end up getting hurt. So that would be my response to how far is too far. Uh, moving into the marriage space here, how far is too far in marriage? So this is a question that we got in many different forms around um, kinkiness and stuff like that. So I thought it, it merited a response, if that's okay. Is it okay to go here tonight? We're all adults. Um, the Bible says the marriage bed is pure, kind of suggesting that anything that's okay, uh, any, uh, suggesting that if there's consent, if both people are okay with it, then it's okay between the two of you. But it's between the two of you and it's meant to be kept that way. Um, again, if you look at Song of Songs, there's all kinds of stuff going on in there. Um, but I would emphasize that both people need to be comfortable with what's going on. I'm hesitant to give an answer because I don't want people to leverage it and be like, hey, that's okay, you should be okay with that now because I'm into that kind of thing. It's like, no, no, marriage is about preferring the other, putting the other first, meeting each other's needs and not just driving your own agenda to get what you want. Why date someone within the same faith? I think this is a really good question. I think it's a question that comes up a lot. Um, I think there has been some kind of negative pictures that have been put around this. Um, I want to encourage us to maybe not look at it so much of a, it often comes up, is it a sin to date someone who's not the same faith as you? Can we just, again, look at it from a broader, broader picture and just start to think through what's that actually going to look like with that person? Um, so if I can speak personally for myself, my faith is so valuable to me and one of the things that I admired the most in Talitha was I was able to openly talk to her about it and it didn't feel awkward, it didn't feel staged. Um, now doing a bit more life, it's so powerful to be able to go to Talitha and say, would you pray with me about this? To have someone that, that values my faith the same way. Again, I'd play it out, you know, if you guys are going to have kids together and, you know, you're just going to church, like, what's that going to look like? Are the kids going to come to you? Are they going to come with you to church? Are they not? When it comes to tithing, is that something that is going to be valued as well? Again, I think we just need to look at it again from a what's this going to look like in our future rather than just trying to draw harsh lines and labels and be like, this is in, this is out. Let's approach it from wi with wisdom from the perspective of, is this going to benefit the way, is this, is this going to allow me to experience the fullness of life that God has for me? I guess within that, that's the common term, flirt to convert. <laughs> uh, thoughts on that? Thoughts on flirting to convert. I mean, you've convert. touched on it, but yeah. yes, no? Um, has everyone heard the phrase flirt to convert? I think it's quite funny. Flirt to convert, yeah. Again, I, I think if you're, I think we don't want to be coming in, if you're coming into a relationship with the goal of changing that person, you're in for a really bad time. Who you can change is yourself. You can't really change your spouse. It's a lot easier to change yourself than it is to change your spouse. So I think if you're coming from the onset of, I'm going to date this person so they become a Christian, you've, you've got the wrong motives, if that makes sense. I don't think you're honoring that person by being like, I'm going to lead them along until what? They raise their hand and say a sinner's prayer, and now it's okay. It's like, oh, come on, let's be bigger than that. Um, let's honor people uh, yeah. rather than using them. That's what I'd say. 
I wasn't prepared for that one, but that's my response. You did well. Thank you. Thanks. You did well. Almost into the shiny world. So, uh, almost. That's why I got. This is why I got Josh to ask me the questions because like, he'll he'll be encouraging <laughs> publicly. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> what are some good boundaries to have in place? Yeah. So we talked about we talked about setting boundaries. Now I think there's there's probably a, di a few different kinds of boundaries. Um, obviously, boundaries are really important just in general. Um, even just boundaries around the amount of time you spend together and stuff, like be on the same page with those, those things. Um, I think one great boundary is not to just, is to make sure that you don't become so isolated that you no longer have any friends around you, like to become so obsessed with each other that you actually miss out all the friendship that's around you. Um, I'm seeing nods. I, we probably, if we haven't been this person, we probably know this person who just gets in a relationship and disappears off the face of the planet um, for a year, and then it's like, oh, you're back. Like, we thought you died or something. Like, you're back around. So there's those kind of things. If we want to just, just talking about physical boundaries, so the kind of boundaries that are going to empower us um, to respect the other person, to save sex for the context where we want to experience it in. I think we need to think about boundaries, think where and when as much as what. So the what question is how, t how far is too far, that's what we talked about before. Um, again, when you're setting boundaries, uh, 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 the, the picture that comes to my mind, if it's like, it's like this is, if that's where we don't want to go, if, if let's say that's sex and we want to save that for marriage, don't set your boundary here. Like, we're going to go all the way to the edge, but we won't go that, like, just, that's, that's again, certain things are designed to lead to certain things. And it's not flat on the edge of that cliff. There's a steep descent beforehand. So I would encourage us, let's set our boundary at the top of the hill rather than at the bottom of the hill. Um, but again, think, think just as much where and when as what. Um, so again, stuff like don't be alone together in each other's rooms. You're asking for trouble if you're alone together in your room late at night. That's kind of, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for it to go where you potentially don't want it to be. Late night sitting in the car for hours. I think just in general, if you recognize there is a place and a space or a time that you're tempted, avoid it. And don't just draw the boundary right beside it. Back that thing up a bit. Because again, we're playing the long game. We want long relationships. We're in it for the long haul. Um, so let's act that way. Nice. Set yourself up for a win. Set yourself up yeah. for a win, yeah. What if I've had sex already? I think this is such an important question because there's been, I like how Shane said it, kind of the, some of the messaging in the whole purity culture thing, which he kind of talked about older people. I know that that was still a thing for me. Um, was some of the right messaging with the wrong images? Like there was these really hurtful images of if you've engaged with, with if, you've, if you've had sex, you're now damaged goods. And it's like, that's so contrary to the redemptive picture of God. Um, also, it's, it just doesn't make any sense to try hold someone to a standard that they're not even aware of yet in some cases. Um, so in all of this, we've got to remember that God's heart for us is not judgment. It's not shame on you. It's God cares so much about you. God's heart for you is to bring you freedom. And if you've, if you've, been in, if you've had some experience which, which maybe has caused you pain or caused, your shame, caused you shame, God's heart is to bring you freedom from that. 
God's heart is not to make you feel bad about that. God's heart is not to shame you about that. God's heart is to heal you. And I just encourage you, what you've done in the past does not define your future. That's the ultimate message of Jesus, that no matter what the past looks like, the future can look different. If there was broken relationship, you can hold on to hope for healthy relationship because of Jesus. Um, so that's what I would say. Thanks, Josh. Nice. That's right. Mate. Thanks for asking the questions. That's okay. I'm gonna My pleasure. I'm going to finish with one more myth. Sounds good. Maybe you can like jump on the keys. I'll give you some keys. I'll give you some ambience. Can we thank Josh? Some ambience. Again, please give me grace. These are just responses. You might have a better answer. We have fries to talk about. It's nothing, nothing better to uh, get a conversation about what your thoughts on sex are than some, some loaded fries. So, um, but, but I guess the whole point of this series is to, is to keep us talking about this stuff in a healthy way. Again, all the messaging you get through social media is all pushing you this way. If you're anything like me, you get bombarded with that kind of stuff, with false messaging, with twisted narratives about this stuff. So I think it's important that we speak about it here. Um, the, the final myth is just that it is, is the myth that it's too late for me. I've heard this said before. It says it's too late for me. Whatever that means, I've, where people feel like I've just stuffed up so badly, I'm too far gone, there's not even any point going with it. Can I just encourage you? There's good news that God can give you a fresh start. I love what it says in Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There is no such thing as too late for God. It is not too late for you. It's not too late for you. God wants to fill you with hope again. God wants to bring you healing. God ultimately wants to lead you into life and life to the full. Is that good? I think that's really good. Can we stand together? It'd be great if we pray just as we, as we wrap up. Let's just close our eyes and just in the vein of that, that scripture. God, we thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. We thank you that there's mercy for the struggles that we have, for the mistakes that we make. So in this moment, God, we receive your grace. We thank you that your grace is enough for us, that you've graced us for the journey ahead. We receive your grace. And God, we just pray that you continue to fill us with vision for our future. I pray for anyone who's experienced pain, God. I pray even right now that you'd be healing the broken heart. You'd be bringing wholeness and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. And just as we keep our eyes closed, maybe you are here this evening. Um, maybe it's your first time and wow, what a topic to arrive to. But maybe you've never kind of made a conscious decision to go on a journey of following Jesus. And, and as we talk about relationship, that's God's ultimate desire for you. You were designed to be in relationship, not just with other people, but also with God. Like I've said, He cares so greatly about you. He has your best interest at heart. And maybe the next step on your journey, whatever that looks like, is to kind of just recognize and make a decision that, that I wanna go on a journey of following Jesus. Maybe that's where you're at in your journey.
If you'd like to make that decision, I'd love to just pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you. Um, just with, with, with our eyes closed, if that's you, would just shoot your hand up so I know who I'm praying for. You're like, you know, tonight's the night. Yeah, I see that hand. That's awesome. Thank you. I see that one over there too. That's great. You know, like, tonight's the night where I, I consciously make a decision to go on a, a journey of following Jesus. Whatever that looks like, I don't understand it all. So we'd leave one more moment. If anyone hasn't raised their hand already and you would like to, now's your chance. Great. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for our, our friends responding to you. We thank you that you care about them so greatly. And we just really pray that as they make this decision, that they would experience your peace, your hope, even as they leave here this evening, that tomorrow would start looking brighter. God, that they would have an experience of the love that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen.